0: hey everyone nate veronica and lauren here from foodies watching movies make sure to tune in every other wednesday for a podcast that's got tasty food talk and epic movie discussions right here on the journey into comics network at journeyintocomics.com. hungry for more go to the journey into comics network patreon for early access and exclusive content at patreon.com backslash journey into comics Following is a journey to comics network production. From the suburbs of Chicago and Illinois, this is The Paul Report with your host, Andrew Paul. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 28 of The Poor Report. I am your host, Andrew Poor, and I want to thank you for joining me here on this beautiful, beautiful day. Now, for those of you who don't know, a couple days ago we had daylight savings time, so if you haven't realized that up to this point, I don't know how you've functioned with work and with school and with everything else you have going on in your daily life. So, Yeah, it's daylight savings time. It's spring forward fallback for those of you who need a quick refresher. And moving on today, it's kind of a slow news week. There's a couple things worth noting, but overall not a whole lot to report. It's been kind of a smooth weekend for me. So things are going on on the personal front, and everything else seems to be good. And there's no poor retort this week. Nothing's really ground my gears or anything like that. So yeah, let's just get right into it. So for those of you who don't know... There's been this ongoing thing regarding a former porn star, Stormy Daniels, and in fall of 2016, Trump's personal lawyer paid her $130,000 to keep her quiet leading into the election. So, over last week, the White House actually acknowledged Trump's ties to the Stormy legal battle over the alleged affair that they had. So, on Wednesday... Of last week, Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders was fielding questions on steel and aluminum tariffs, which I talked about on last week's show, and uh, in each instance, she praised the achievements of the White House and President Trump, and then she let slip something that had until then been unknown to the public. Trump had scored a legal victory over a former adult film actress who allegedly had an extramarital affair with the President a decade before he ran for office, according to Sanders. The case has already been won in arbitration, she told reporters when asked about the alleged affair. It was another defense of the president, but it also turned out to be an un- acknowledgement that Trump had been kept updated on and actually involved in legal battle to prevent actress Stephanie Clifford from saying whatever it is she wants to say. Now, Stephanie Clifford is the actual name of the porn star Stormy Daniels. Until that moment, the White House had said very little about what Trump knew and when. With regard to the non-disclosure agreement and the $130,000 payout from his personal attorney, Michael Cohen. To Clifford, whose name is Stormy Daniels. Screen name. Uh, The emergency order issued by an arbitration judge in California prevents Clifford from revealing any details about the non-disclosure agreement in the media or court filings. It also precludes her from encouraging anyone else to talk about the contract. If she violated the deal, Clifford would face onerous financial penalties. It is possible she could be fined $1 million for each breach of the contract. As reported, uh, what was notable about Sanders' statement... That the arbitration was won in the president's favor is that trump is not technically named in the non-disclosure agreement or the restraining order cohen used aliases for trump and clifford throughout the document that makes sanders press briefing statements the first time in the white house the white house acknowledged the president is a party to the efforts to keep clifford quiet cnn reported trump is upset with the press secretary for her remarks and the arbitration ruling on wednesday michael Avenatti, Clifford's attorney, responded to Sanders' comments on MSNBC's The Last Word. Any claim by the administration that Donald Trump won an arbitration is no different than me claiming that I won the Super Bowl a few year- weeks ago, he said, about adding that it was nonsense and complete hooey. Clifford, who wants to go to public with her story, is contesting the legality of the confidentiality agreement. On Tuesday, she filed a civil suit against Trump alleging the contract she signed just days before the 2016 election is invalid because it's missing Trump's signature. The suit alleges Trump purposely did not sign the agreement so he could later, if need be, publicly disavow any knowledge of the hush agreement or the affair. Clifford also confirmed details about the supposed affair with Trump. She says she began an intimate relationship with him years before his political aspirations took shape and more than a year into his marriage to now First Lady Melania Trump. She says that it began in the summer of 2006 in Lake Tahoe and that it lasted well into 2007. The White House and Cohen, who drafted the agreement, have repeatedly denied the alleged sexual encounter, and the complete alleges or in the complaint alleges Cohen used intimidation and coercive tactics to force Clifford into signing a false statement denying the extramarital affair with Trump. Avenatti told the New York Times earlier this week that he does not consider the emergency arbitration decision valid. Clifford intends to pursue the civil suit in open court. This should be decided publicly, he told the Times. Perhaps by publicly, Avenatti meant over the airwaves. On Wednesday afternoon, he tweeted a photo of himself, Clifford, and Anderson Cooper standing in front of what looks like a camera set. There's no message apart from the Twitter handles. Uh, Michael Avenatti, Stormy Daniels, Anderson Cooper, and 60 Minutes. So it looks like there may be a 60 Minutes interview coming featuring Stormy Daniels and Anderson Cooper. So yeah, that's kind of the first bit of the poor for today. Just some more interesting news coming out of the White House. And if, I feel like if this was any other president, it would be a PR nightmare. But this just seems to be another day in the life of what is the administration of President Donald J. Trump. And he's moving on from one administration to another. The next topic for this is, involves former President Barack Obama and Netflix. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Former President Barack Obama is in advanced negotiations with Netflix to produce a series of high-profile shows that will provide him a global platform after his departure from the White House, according to the people familiar with the discussions. Under terms of a proposed deal which is not yet final, Netflix would pay Mr. Obama and his wife, Michelle, for an exclusive content that would be available only on the streaming service, which has nearly 118 million subscribers around the world. The number of episodes and the formats for the show have not been decided. Mr. Obama does not intend to use his Netflix show to directly respond to President Trump or conservative critics, according to the people familiar with discussions about the programming. They said the Obamas had talked about producing shows that highlight inspirational stories. But the Netflix deal, why not a direct answer to Fox News or Breitbart.com, which would give Mr. Obama an unfiltered method of communicating with the public similar to the audience he already reaches through social media with 101 million Twitter followers and 55 million people who have liked his Facebook page. President and Mrs. Obama have always believed in the power of storytelling to inspire. Eric Schultz, a senior advisor to the former president, and said on Thursday, throughout their lives they have lifted up stories of people whose efforts to make a difference are quietly changing the world for the better. And they consider their future personal plans. They continue to explore new ways to help others tell and share their stories. In one possible show idea, Mr. Obama could moderate conversations on topics that dominated his presidency healthcare voting rights, immigration, foreign policy, climate change, and that have continued to divide a polarized American electorate during President Trump's time in office. Another program could feature Mrs. Obama on topics like nutrition that she championed. In the White House, the former president and first lady could also lend their brand and their endorsement to documentaries or fictional programming on Netflix that align with their beliefs and values. It is unclear how much money the Obamas will be paid given their lack of experience in the media business. Netflix recently signed a five-year, $300 million deal to lure Ryan Murphy away from 21st Century Fox, but Mr. Murphy is among the television industry's most sought-after producers. The deal is evidence that Mr. Obama, who left the White House when she was just 55 years old, and tends to remain engaged in the nation's civic business, even as he studiously avoided direct clashes with Mr. Trump about his concerted efforts to roll back Mr. Obama's legacy. There's also a clear indication that the former president remains interested in the intersection of politics, technology, and media. Several people familiar with the Netflix discussion said that executives from Apple and Amazon, which have their own streaming service, have also expressed interest in talking with Mr. Obama about content deals. The former president has maintained a low profile since leaving office. He and his wife are each writing highly anticipated memoirs, for which they will reportedly be paid more than 60 million. And Mr. Obama has been paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for speeches in the United States and around the world. The Obamas are rarely seen in public in Washington, while where they still live. Mr. Obama has long expressed concerns about how the flow of information and misinformation has the power to shape public opinion. In the last several months, Mr. Obama has discussed with technology executives and wealthy investors the threats to American democracy from the manipulation of the news. He has seeds privately and publicly about what he says is the manipulation of news by conservative outlets and the fractured delivery of information in the internet age. In several recent public appearances during the last several months, the former president hinted at his frustrations with the way conservative news outlets have shaped people's perceptions about the divisive 2016 campaign, and the issues he cares about. If you watch Fox News, you are living on a different planet than you are if you're listening to NPR. Mr. Obama told David Letterman in an interview broadcast in January for the comedian's first Netflix program last December at a forum in New Delhi, Mr. Obama conceded that if I watch Fox News, I wouldn't vote for me, I would watch it and say, who is that guy? Evidence began to emerge while Mr. Obama was president that Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube were being used to spread false information about candidates and issues. Social media's impact on society began even clearer last month when the special counsel Robert S. Mueller III indicated, indicted 13 Russians and three companies that had used social media companies to undermine democracy in the United States and push voters to reject Hillary Clinton. As the election came to a close, Mr. Obama told The New Yorker and the new media landscape had made it possible for large swaths of the country to ignore facts. Everything is true and nothing is true, he complained. He later personally scolded Facebook's chief executive for saying it was crazy to think the social network influenced the election. For Netflix, securing the Obama programming is a part of the company's broader search for original content and the streaming service competes for viewers with HBO, Apple, Amazon, and the traditional broadcast networks. Netflix has said it could spend as much as $8 billion on content this year is been paying top dollar for original programming like its hit Stranger Things and the documentary Icarus, which won the Oscar this year for Best Documentary Feature. It would also be another coup for a company that began by distributing DVDs and is now doing deals with some of the most powerful names in entertainment. Several technology and media world's top executives have been close advertisers and donors to Mr. Obama over the years, including John Doerr and Reed Hoffman, the Silicon Valley venture capitalist, and Jeffrey Katzenberg, the entertainment executive. But Mr. Obama has particularly close ties to Ted Sarandos, Netflix's chief content officer. Mr. Sarandos is married to Nicole A. Avant, an activist who served as Mr. Obama's ambassador to the Bahamas. And Reed Hastings, the chief executive of Netflix, who was close to Mr. Obama while he was president and attended at state dinners. A spokesman for Netflix declined to comment about any discussion with the former president and his wife. Some of the biggest media companies over on the internet, like BuzzFeed and Vice have embraced politically-themed programming even as if they had recently seen the growth flatline and shifts in the digital advertising and distribution landscape. Political news startups like the website Axios and the podcast Pod Saves America, hosted by former Obama officials, have connected with audiences that are eager for scoops, analysis, and opinion. The deal between Netflix and Mr. Obama would be a modern media twist on an approach that former politicians have tried in the past. Al Gore, the former vice president, created a new cable network after losing the presidency to George W. Bush in 2000. Mr. Gore and Joel Hyatt, a businessman and democratic activist, purchased a small cable company in 2004, eventually renaming it Current TV and positioning it as an independent voice in the political debate. The network expanded its presence on cable and satellite networks and changed format several times during the next eight years, at one point providing a home for Keith Olbermann, An outspoken liberal and former host at MSNBC, in 2013 Mr. Gore and Mr. Hyatt sold their company to the Al Jazeera Media Network, which shut down the current TV channel. Mr. Obama's approach is less of a direct challenge to the existing news establishment, but he's embracing the streaming service that have become a direct threat to the cable and network television infrastructure, especially among younger viewers. So, interesting news coming to Netflix in the not-too-distant future. That's exciting. And then going from Obama to his vice president, Biden aids prepping for a 2020 run. For those of you who know, Joe Biden, Obama's vice president for both terms, famously came out in, I believe it was fall of 2015, came out and said that he would be not running in the 2016 presidential election due to personal reasons and the death of his son and just didn't feel it was his time to do it. Now it seems that things are actually changing and uh, I'm going to go through this article right now. So former president Joe Biden, former vice president Joe Biden is moving to close closer to a 2021 for president with close aides telling Politico that they are preparing for a number of scenarios ahead of possible campaign announcement. Politico reports that a close circle of Biden aides is preparing for several 2020 scenarios including Biden announcing his candidacy early enough to set the field of challengers around him or late enough to skip the first two contests in Iowa and New Hampshire. Another option could rapidly be running on the promise of a one-term presidency. The former vice president is thinking through a million unconventional options because there is an acknowledgment that his campaign could be an unconventional campaign, one person close to the discussion said. According to the news site, Biden has spent recent months watching the Trump administration with dismay with aides telling him that he had the experience and credibility needed to mount a challenge to Trump in 2020. Looking at the environment, it's hard for someone who spent his life in public service to say, I don't think I can play any role in fixing this, said a source close to the meetings. But Biden, who met with major donor Robert Wolf recently, as speculation about his plans swirl around Washington, is actively persuading or dissuading aides and donors from speculating about the, his 2020 plans, urging Democrats instead to focus on retaking majorities in this year's midterm elections. It was very, very clear that he didn't want the narrative to be about him running in 2020. He shut it down very quickly. The former vice president mulled a run in 2016, but eventually declined. So that's kind of interesting. I know, I personally think if Pres- or Vice President Joe Biden had chose to run in 2016, ended up winning the nomination over uh, then-presidential nominee Hillary Clinton that it may have been a different election going into 2016. I personally think maybe we should have some new blood in this race, but in a world where maybe Bernie Sanders may be considering running again, where we have a lot of stalwarts from the last election running, and I don't see too much new blood coming from the Democratic Party in terms of a raising contender to take on Trump in 2016, if his presidency takes last through 2016. Or through 2020, sorry. Then I think... uh, Biden coming in as a one-term president wouldn't be a bad idea. It would hopefully make up for what Trump is doing or alter some of his key positions. And it would open up 2020 or 2024 as an option for a new Democrat and a new Republican to take challenge and maybe get away from this weird rut we're in with these aged contestants. We, it's kind of time for another young president. So I think after 2020, Maybe getting to some fresh blood in 2024 I think would be a nice welcome change. And the last thing I want to talk about here today is involves some long-awaited-for announcement, and that is Pharma Bro Martin Shkreli cries in court is sentenced to seven years for securities fraud. If anyone remembers uh, Martin Shkreli, I'm going to say his name, Martin Shkreli, um, famous uh, executive at a pharmaceutical company who got basically ambassed in the media for really overcharging his uh, customers for his product and being just kind of a dick in court proceedings. So basically what happened, which is great news, so the uh, smirked white from his face, a crying Martin Screlly was sentenced to seven years in prison for securities fraud. In a hard fall for the pharmaceutical industry, bad boy vilified for jacking up the price of a life-saving drug. Screlly, the boyish-looking 34-year-old entrepreneur, dubbed the Pharma Bro for his loudish behavior was handed his punishment after a hearing in which he and his attorney struggled with limited success to make him a sympathetic figure. His own lawyer confessed to wanting to punch him in the face sometimes, don't we all? The defendant hung his head and choked up as he admitted to many mistakes and apologized to the investors he was convicted of defrauding. At one point, a clerk handed him a box of tissues. "'I want the people who came here today to support me to understand one thing. The only person to blame for me being here today is me,' he said." There is no conspiracy to take down Martin Screlly. I took down Martin Screlly. In the end, U.S. District Judge Kiyo Matsumoto gave him a sentence that fell well short of the 15 years prosecutor wanted, but was a lot longer than the 18 months his lawyers asked for. He was also fined $75,000. So it looks like they kind of met in the middle for terms of sentencing. He was found guilty in August of lying to investors and in two failed hedge funds and cheating them out of millions. The case was unrelated to the 2015 furor in which he was accused of price gouging, but his arrest was seen as rough justice by the many enemies he made with his smug and abrasive behavior online and off. The judge insisted the punishment was not about Shkrell's online antics or his raising the cost of the drug. This is not about Mr. Shkrell's self-cultivated public persona nor his controversial statements about politics or courtial, Matsumoto said. But she did say his conduct after the verdict made her doubt the sincerity of his remorse. She cited his bragging after the verdict that he would be sentenced to time served and she quoted one piece of correspondence in which he wrote fuck the feds. The judge ruled earlier that Screlly would have to forfeit more than 7.3 million in a brokerage account and personal assets including a one of a kind Wu-Tang Clan album that he boasted or that he boasted of buying for 2 million dollars. Who would spend that much money on a Wu-Tang Clan album is beyond me. Uh, defense attorney Benjamin Braffman described Shkreli as a misunderstood eccentric who used unconventional means to make his defrauded avencers even wealthier. He told the court that he sometimes wants to hug Shkreli and sometimes wants to punch him, but that his outspoken shouldn't be held against him. It's like the kids today who hit send before they really understand what they texted, Braffman said. Prosecutors rejected that notion. Mr. Shkreli is not a child, former prosecutor Jacqueline Kasula said. He's not a teenager who just needs some mentoring. He's a man who needs to take responsibility for his actions. Shkreli became the face of the pharmaceutical industry evil in 2015 when he increased by 5,000% the price of Daraprim, a previously cheap drug used to treat toxoplasmosis, a parasitic infection that can be fatal to people with the AIDS virus or other immune system disorders. Shkreli seemed to treat the case like a big joke. After his arrest in December 2015, he taunted prosecutors, got kicked off of Twitter for harassing a female journalist, heckled Hillary Clinton from the sidewalk outside her daughter's home, gave speeches with the conservative provocateur Milo Yiannopoulos, and spent countless hours live-streaming himself from his apartment. He also infuriated members of Congress at a Capitol Hill hearing on drug prices when he repeatedly cited the Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Afterwards, he tweeted that the lawmakers were imbeciles. Last fall, the judge revoked his bail and threw him in jail after he jokingly offered his online followers A $5,000 bounty for anyone who could get a lock of Clinton's hair. Which is really weird and kind of disturbing. Before sentencing him, the judge said that it was up to Congress to fix the issue of the drug price hike. And she noted that Skrelly's family and friends state almost universally that he is kind and misunderstood and willing to help others in need. She said it was clear he is a tremendously gifted individual who had the capacity for kindness. If you say so. Uh, Some of the letters sent to the court on his behalf were as quirky as the defendant himself. One woman described how she became an avid follower of Shkreli's social media commentary, which he described as being on par with some form of performance art. Another supporter said Shkreli's soft side was demonstrated when he adopted a cat from a shelter named Trashy that became a fixture on his live stream. They are really just reaching for some way to put him in some positive light. And really, I think seven years is too light for his crimes, despite the securities fraud and the way he defrauded his investors, but really for the way he jacked the price. I think the pharmaceutical industry, in my opinion, is ridiculous in terms of how they cost life saving medicine, or even regular medicine for that matter. I think there should be, yes, of some sort of price hike because that's how business works. You sell something, you need to make profit to further advancement, but I think a 5,000% price increase versus manufacturing cost is ridiculous and should be outlawed. So, yeah. So, very interesting news week. We saw one president admit to maybe having an affair with a former porn star. We have a former president announcing a deal with Netflix. We have a former vice president considering a 2020 run, and we have Pharma Bro finally get convicted and sentenced to seven years in prison. So... Not a bad week in terms of news. Not a busy week. going to be a short episode, but hey, that's kind of the gist when you kind of go through. So really, that's it for episode 28 for this week. I want to thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you enjoy the rest of your week. And as always, remember to double-check your sources and remember that the duty of the news media is to represent the governed, not the governors. That's 28. I'm Andrew Poor. Have a great week.